I V M. Hello everyone, welcome to Triangle of Fans. I'm Monish, and I'm Nishant, who's been saying Lakers in five. And it might well be Lakers in five, but they were given a rude awakening yesterday by the Denver Nuggets, who won Game Three of the Western Conference Finals. The the Jays, Jamal and Jokic, running the show there. On today's episode, we look back at that game. The Nuggets still in it, refusing to pack the bags yet. We'll also look forward to the Game Four of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics take on the Heat. That's going to be an exciting game tonight. All that and more, and we'll have a lot more fun on today's episode. Hey Nishant, the Nuggets have seen it all in this post series, coming back from three-one down twice. And uh, yesterday they were two-nil down. They pulled off a great win against the Lakers and bringing the series alive yet again. Yeah, let's get let's you know let's get this over with. Uh, can't say I'm very excited. It's a black day for basketball. It's a black day for all of the fans all around the world. Um, I don't really feel like saying anything. I have nothing to say, but I'll be slightly professional. Let's do this. So uh, the Nuggets, they have seen it all. Like I said, they've come back from 15 behind in the last three games against the Clippers, 15, 15, and 12. If I have to put it specifically, they were trailing in Game Two of the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. Uh, they came. They almost pulled a comeback until it was the AD buzzer beater. But yesterday, it seemed like uh, they were getting a taste of their own medicine. I mean, they were leading by a big, big margin. And the Lakers put on a great run. Uh, they got a 19-2 run in the fourth quarter. Lakers actually finished with 31-21 in the fourth quarter. But still ended up short uh, by eight points. So, then were kind of dominating the game yesterday. We've not seen that quite often from this team. It was it was good to see. They were, they were uh, off the mark from the word go. They were shooting the threes. They were getting the threes. They needed the... They wanted to extend the gap right at the start and did not want to take it deep, right? Yeah, they, they came out all aggressive and which, like we discussed before, that's the only way to play against a team like the Lakers is, is to put them on the back foot early. And and a trend that we've seen in most of these games in the playoffs so far is a big first quarter lead is half the race. That's half the race for any team. It, it was great to see them come out all guns blazing. Uh, in the previous game, in that heartbreaking loss to the Lakers, which ended in the uh, in the AD dagger, Jokic played incredibly well and aggressively in the fourth quarter, right? And I think you saw him bring some of that to the first quarter itself and not leave yeah. it too late. Uh, they took the game right to the Lakers. They <clears throat> they clashed bodies. They took aggressive shots. They they made those shots. They did gamble a bit on the offense, but yeah, the the shot fell for them yesterday. I thought both teams shot pretty well overall. And and that's really the only way to beat the Lakers is is to take the game to them, take a big lead, and then that gives you a cushion because the Lakers certainly have the personnel to mount a big run. And as we saw in the fourth quarter, there's no lead that they really can't shave off. But a big lead, the greatest advantage of a double-digit lead is even after you shave off, even if a team has an amazing run and they cut that lead down, they still have to keep that momentum going and then build their own lead. And... Oftentimes, that's asking too much of any offense. And however well the offense plays, the team that has the big lead and that's fighting to defend that lead will have to be all-world pathetic to, to drop a lead like that. Uh, look no further than the Clippers, right? So, you know, a lot, we, we heard a lot of celebrities, um, Lakers fans say, we're not the Clippers, we're not the Clippers. But I think you saw Nuggets say they're not the Clippers. They had a big lead, they defended it, they didn't capsize. And full credit to them. I loved the aggressive start. I loved how... Nikola Jokic went went bang on, took on Anthony Davis. I didn't expect him to be this effective against AD's defense. He this guy's a force and and any other defender he would have had a 35-40 point triple double. It, only because it was Anthony Davis was 
Jokic restricted to 22 points, but he can do a lot of damage. He can pull double teams. He can create open opportunities. And and on this day, uh, on a day when Jamal Murray also goes off, they're, they're damn near unstoppable. Great game overall. Yeah, totally. Uh, one defining stat of yesterday's game was the rebounds. The Lakers were rebound, out-rebounded 44-25 to, to 25 and 9 versus 4 on the offensive rebound stat. And it looked like Anthony Davis has a switch, right? I mean, you saw in Game 1, Game 2, he was aggressive right from the start. Uh, this was something that they discussed post-game with him as well. Uh, he keeps saying how Rondo keeps encouraging him, LeBron keeps encouraging him. This game, it seemed like he did not really switch on that aggressive button and he was playing. He was He's a good player, no doubt. He will get you those points. He will get you those defense every single game. But when he's not aggressive, he's not the same player. I mean, yesterday, he was allowed. He was allowing Jokic to take those shots despite him knowing that Jokic is such a good shooter. He himself said, said about that in the post-game after Game 2 that he was allowing Jokic a lot more free shots. But yesterday, he didn't really switch on. And you could see that in his rebound uh, stat line as well. He just got two rebounds. For a man his size, I think that's an atrocious crime. I mean, for a man of any size, that's atrocious. You have players like Damon Lillard pick up five, six rebounds in a game. And Damon Lillard's a near foot foot shorter than Anthony Davis. So, I don't think it's a question of size. I think it's um, it's also not about aggression so much as I think Anthony Davis got complacent. And we're watching Anthony Davis go from superstar to, to Hall of Famer in front of our eyes. It's happening in this series. It's happening in this postseason because he has the team and the, the stage that's set for it. What we're seeing is Anthony Davis developed some sense of maturity. Um, these are learning experiences for him. He had a great game too. He shut it down. The whole world's talking about him. His highlight is being played across the world. Every meme page, every highlight um, page, channel, ESPN, Fox News, blah, blah, blah. Everyone has nothing but Anthony Davis's dagger. And they're saying it's the Mamba shot and Anthony Davis is the, is the finals MVP, blah, blah, blah. I think it kind of got to him. I don't think this was lack of aggression so much as complacency. I think he eased off a bit. Lack of aggression is one thing, but outright complacency is another. Anthony Davis had zero rebounds for the first three quarters. The only two rebounds he had in the game came in the fourth. That's not lack of aggression. Like He can sleep through a game and pick up five rebounds. That's just not... Uh, it's not even showing up. Lack of aggression is still a neutral term for me. This was straight out complacency from Anthony Davis. And a compl- that's how good he is, right? That a complacent Anthony Davis still gets you 27 points in a game. Still gets you yeah. uh, still here and there and a couple of clutch defensive blocks. But but this was Anthony Davis that walked in entitled, that walked in like he could just walk all over the Nuggets. And like the Nuggets have proved against every opponent they've faced so far, they don't roll over for anybody. They don't and they showed that. Uh, this duo is going to be an insane pairing throughout, I mean, in the future, in the future and also in the present. Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray, what a pair they're turning out to be, put out... 50 points combined yesterday as well. Uh, Jokic cannot really miss any shots anymore. His sky hook yesterday, I mean, what do you even call that? He was His back was turned towards the basket. He was in a very awkward position and yet managed to get a swish shot. I mean, that is ridiculous, to be honest. And with someone like Anthony Davis guarding you all the time to get on 25 points, 30 points every single game, this guy is a super, super talent. And we keep talking about it every episode. He seems to only get better. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Jokic is, uh, there's no doubt he's a special talent. Right? I think any kid would tell you that. But what, what he's proving series after series is the number of ways in which he can hurt you and the number of ways in which he can be valuable to his team. This is a breakout series for Jamal Murray, no doubt. Um, especially because most people didn't think Jamal Murray was even an all-star caliber player. And this guy is now proving to be, uh, you know, I'm fit to be in the NBA finals kind of player. 
But with Jokic, we kind of always knew this guy is talented. But he was mostly seen as like this goofball, awkward shooter that gets a lot of buckets and is a great, great passer. So he's a point center in that regard. What Jokic is showing now is he has some defense in him. And with, with the right coaching, that's going to get better. He has a great passing game. But when you double him, when you stifle him and when you shut that passing game down, he is still capable of taking and making clutch shots. He has a fadeaway. He has post moves. He has, he has a three-point capability. And those post moves, my God, if you can, as Nikola Jokic, if you can hit those shots against Anthony Davis, even to the tune of 20-25 points a game, that's special right there. There's not too many players in, in all of basketball that can do that. Maybe the Greek freak, maybe Embiid. That's about it, honestly. I can't think of too many big men that would drop 20 or 25 on AD. Um, and Jokic can. Not to mention 5 or 10 assists, um, some, some tight defense. And he helps out on the boards too, especially on the, uh, on the offensive rebound. So, we're, we're watching Jamal Murray emerge from not even an all-star in most people's minds to this guy's one of the best guards in the game right now. At least the, the postseason thus far, that would be a fair assessment. Jokic has gone from this guy's an all-star and, and an entertainer to a bona fide generation-defining talent. This guy is now in every way possible a Dirk Nowitzki in the making. Absolutely. Uh, do you think the game is evolving that now we have more uh, more flexible centers or m- more centers who can do multiple things in the game? Like you have your old-fashioned center like a Rudy Gobert who's there, who protects the rim. But nowadays you find a lot more centers who are making these plays, hitting step-back threes. Like you have Jokic, you have Carl Anthony Towns who can hit the three, you have Porzingis at the Maverick, uh, you have Embiid actually who can shoot well. Uh, do you think this is an evolution of the game that they're adapting to having a more a center who can do more. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, and this was an evolution that was many years coming, right? Um, uh, if you look at Gobert, Gobert is world-class. He's probably one of the best defenders in the league in general of any size. And you need to be that good to find a place in today's NBA as a big man, to find a starting lineup spot in a, a, a solid team that's contending for at least a deep playoff run. You really need to be that good because otherwise, at best, you're coming off the bench and and your only specialty is going to be rebounds and a couple of blocks and some rim protection here and there, right? Um, like Whiteside, like any of those guys. I think this is a natural outcome of the evolution that somewhere San Antonio started, even though they did have Tim Duncan. They started the whole team ball revolution, which, which existed on and off over the years. But I think these guys were the ones who took it to another level and, and proved that it works at a championship level and that it can fetch you rings. That then saw natural progression in the form of the Golden State Warriors, who essentially played the same kind of team ball. But because of their ridiculous three-shooting backcourt, who will be back next season. So the Lakers better have this championship up this season. I don't know, you know how things shape up next season, right? But because of the Splash Brothers and, and how proficient they are from beyond the arc, beyond the arc, beyond the halfway line, they shoot from pretty much anywhere on the court. So... So they, they, they then took this team ball and they said, why not just go all out on three shooting? What the Rockets are doing now, the Golden State Warriors did years ago. And so they dropped their traditional big or they didn't rely on them all that much. That's where you have your Javel McGee and, uh, and all the other guys that played, that played at the number five position. But who was their number five really in most crunch games? It was Draymond Green, who's not all that big. He's not really a, a, a traditional big, not a four, not a five. And they got it done. Why? Because he defends at an elite level and he hits the three ball. And soon, 
as more and more teams started realizing just the fundamental math that if you can get those shots to go in three points are going to be better than two points every time and that math just it's undeniable so then people started looking at more and more three pointers so the three and d guys became the most sought after uh, squad players and the most sought after veterans and free agents and the bigs that couldn't shoot the three became a liability because now teams are all about spacing now teams are all about stretch bigs and disrupting defenses right the playoffs have always been about disruption but now it's like the entire league is all about disruption so for a for a while there all of the college players coming up everyone started shooting the three ball and it really it's full credit to the golden state warriors and especially steph curry because they made three point shooting sexy to an extent where everyone wanted to do it and so today now you have a game where everyone coming out of college shoots the three to some level or the other players like ben simmons have to be that good on inside scoring and that good on defense to be a starter because on both of those things he's all world because otherwise this guy is outdated he's not even a big right he's supposed to be playing point guard yeah. but then if you're a center and you can't shoot the three you're a spacing liability you're a you're an offensive liability and unless you're a rudy gobert that can uh, you know that can put you up by 20 points just with rim protection and defense you really have no place in the nba today every team has a big that that's a stretch big and that shoots threes You have seven foot three guys shooting threes for fun now. I mean, uh, Porzingis was a unicorn when he came into the league. Now everyone that size shoots threes as well. So I I certainly think the league is now a lot more three heavy than it ever was. I mean, threes were unheard of in the eighties, and it was a once in a blue moon thing and a heroic shot. And now it's just uh, Houston put up fifty in a game. Miami routinely shoot forty plus in a game. Three is the way to go, and so then it's natural evolution that all the bigs start shooting threes. Absolutely, and Jokic heads those uh, big centers as the highest three-pointing sh- three-point shooter, right? Uh, when we talk about the Denver Nuggets, uh, we always talk about Jamal Murray. We talk about Jokic. How good is Jeremy Grant? He put up twenty-six points yesterday, his playoff career high. But I think a lot of his work has been uh, highlighted by Jamal and Jokic. I mean, they've taken all of the attention there. But he's been doing an incredible job in defense, and yesterday he got the points to show for it as well. Yeah, that's another interesting emergence that that we're seeing of this. Uh, he was initially like a sixth man kind of guy, right? And he slowly started rising to to prominence. Um, in you could see shades of him in the Utah series, but he really started showing up in the in the Clippers series because early on, because of his explosion in the bubble, Michael Porter Jr. became kind of like a default starter for his offensive explosiveness. Uh, but then they realized this guy's a defensive liability. At least now, at this young stage of his career, he's a, he's a defensive liability, and that was hurting them against, especially when Donovan Mitchell was lighting them up. That was hurting them. And then um, Coach Malone, who's who's excellent, by the way, uh, Nick Nurse and this guy. What exciting prospects to look forward to in the future. Um, he he made a switch, right? He put Michael Porter Jr. on the bench, and he used his offensive explosiveness coming off of the bench, and that was a great move. And He put Jeremy Grant into the starting lineup and said, "You're going to pick up tough defensive assignments." And it really doesn't get tougher than LeBron James, who he's guarding all series long. To do that, of course, LeBron dropped a 30-point triple double on him, but still, to do that all game, it takes effort. Regardless of the outcome, it takes a lot of effort to do that and then still contribute 26 points and and be the second scorer on your team. Or really, the first scorer on par with Jamal Murray, pretty much. He got fouled a lot. He made those shots. They left him open for three. He made those shots. Forty percent from three, sixty-four percent from the field, and if you noticed in the third quarter, and this is how big of an impact he had in the third and especially in the fourth, 
you could see the lakers who by then had switched to a very very tight zone defense were still breaking zone when jeremy grant was driving in and they were double teaming jeremy grant how who would have thought that would ever happen in a series let alone against the lakers in the conference finals that's how good he was and that's all i need to say he got double teamed by the lakers who weren't even playing man to man defense they broke their zones to double team him and that's that's a bona fide star performer there at least in this game and if he continues to to supplement jokic and jamal murray this teams a much bigger problem than than anyone would have imagined them to shout out to monte morris too by the way clutch points off the bench yeah totally he he did his bit when he came off the bench he was there for hardly 20 minutes got 14 points his playoff career high as well a uh, great game i mean it's 2-1 now uh, just like how it is in the eastern conference final the fourth game happens today what do you have to say about that one it it looks a lot better balanced now i think boston have finally found their uh, uh, their rhythm they finally seem to have sorted out whatever it is that <laughs> jalen brown and marcus smart were were at log heads over but it's always good to see teams passionate like that right because it's one thing to let such performances slide you've always got to have that one strong guy in the locker room that holds everyone accountable and holds himself accountable if need be and that's kind of where the clippers slid away and that's kind of where you see the celtics at least prove their maturity because with the clippers you had a scene where a lot of players were reportedly pissed off with paul george and how he had this air of superiority about him and how he was always preaching and how he um was never open to criticism. So if Montrez Harrell called him out for a bad pass that led to a turnover, um, Paul George, uh, Paul George bar- barked back at him that he should have caught the pass and you know that led Harrell to say, yeah, because you're never wrong. And, and that, that friction just carried through. There are reports that there were eye rolls and, and people were just disappointed when he made his uh, farewell speech for the season after they, they got bounced out. and it's the exact polar opposite of that that you're seeing with the clippers they had bad games they dropped two games marcus smart clearly is an emotional guy he was pissed off about it he held a bunch of guys accountable they barked back whatever they they sorted that out among themselves and there they were in game 3 they all showed up as a unit defense uh, defense was the way it should be the way we've seen it uh, when it stifled the greek freak in the regular season and then they made shots they made clutch buckets jalen brown showed up jason tatum is is elevating to to he was probably already a top 10 player but he's moving inching closer and closer to that top 5 now a couple of seasons of development and this guy is going to uh, going to rule the the league along with Doncic and whoever else shows up so uh, they're playing the way they're supposed to be they're not, they've not surprised me they surprised me in the first two games where they didn't show up at that level they're playing at the level they're supposed to be and that's a good check for the Miami Heat who have to come back and rethink this is a mouthwatering series just as exciting as the western conference finals Absolutely, there's an uh, there's a kind of a trend in the series, right? The Celtics have been taking the lead early on. They've been they've been leading by 14, 17, and 20 in the three games that they've done. And Miami have always been playing the comeback game, uh, like the Denver have been doing in the Western Conference Final, except for yesterday. That kind of seems to hurt Miami the most because uh, they're always dependent on these clutch three pointers and the clutch shots at the end from guys like Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, always showing up in the fourth quarter. and when that doesn't happen on a bad day that's when they take the take the loss and that's exactly what happened in game 3 and you think they'll come out more aggressive right from the start and try to not give boston celtics that big spacing that they need at the start that jalen brown and kemba walker and jason tatum they actually combined for a total of 72 points last uh, last game because they were they were off at it from the word go they were they knew that they had to get the early points because miami are not going to make it easy for them at the end yeah i think in in game 3 the miami heat defense i think the one thing that they really achieved they put an early check on 
the perimeter. They put a stop to Miami's three shooting. What we were seeing in earlier games was they they built up a certain level of rhythm in three shooting Miami, and once they had that and they started getting hot, third and fourth quarter they become damn near unstoppable because everyone wants to take and make big shots and they can. All of them are clutch shooters. Butler can hit the big three. Hero pops off whenever. Duncan Robinson takes those shots. Dragic can't miss in the fourth quarter. They have just too many clutch three shooters. So when they have a rhythm going, all of those little leads that Boston have in the first half get chipped away very easily when you start hitting threes like that, and clutch threes at that. And then when you have the defense that Miami does, it's not too big of a task to to chip away at a single digit lead and and build some momentum towards the end of the game. Miami close out games really well. I think that's been proven. So then as Boston. I liked their strategy in in game three because not only did they come out aggressive on scoring, but you could see there was a conscious, concerted effort to put a check on the Miami Heat three shooting, and that was really the story of the game for me. Miami shot one of their worst three shooting games of the season because they attempted forty four and they hit less than twenty seven percent of them. Uh, that that's bad on any night, uh, let alone the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's credit to the Boston perimeter defense. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, all of them put clamps on the on the Miami perimeter. That's what allowed them to to maintain that lead. Because even in this game, even with all of that defense from Boston, Miami did get hot in the third and fourth quarter. They outscored Boston in the fourth quarter, and so that that cushion that they built up by playing aggressive early on that proved all the more special. Totally, both the conference final uh, tied at two one. Interesting times there for uh, in both the conferences. I mean. What better can you have it when both the series are going down to the wire, right? And uh, this is a fun question for you. Uh, as a neutral fan, I'm not asking you as a Lakers fan, but as a neutral fan, what would be the most fun finals? Would it be Lakers versus Celtics? It's epic rivalry. The all we always spoken about the Boston versus LA rivalry, but would that be the most fun uh, rivalry, or would it be LeBron versus Miami in the finals? That would be more fun, or someone totally random like the Denver Nuggets making the final would be make it more fun. The popular notion is that a neutral always prefers the best basketball, but I don't find that to be true. I think most fans of any sport are driven more by narratives than by just the quality of the game, because otherwise you'd you'd find a lot of more obscure leagues that have very high quality sport being played. They're not that popular. The popular ones are those where they found that perfect balance between high quality sport and actual gameplay. And great narratives and stars and superstars. The NBA didn't really take off until Michael Jordan took off, because stars sell your tickets, stars get you popular, right? So in that regard, I really don't buy into the argument that a lot of people make that for the neutrals they'd love to see an underdog battle between Miami and Denver or whatever. I think for the neutral and for NBA viewership in general, first of all, you want LeBron in the finals. Just from from a league superstar the he is the face of the league you would want him in the finals just the way they wanted zion in the playoffs b if narratives are what we're talking about as long as the lakers are in the finals you have all the narratives in the world you can sell all your podcasts and tickets and blah 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 whatever else uh, is there in the ecosystem that depends on the games because you have so many side stories whenever you have a storied player you can force fit any kind of side story to that series if it's miami it's lebron against the team that he kind of put on the map along with dwade If it's Boston, it's Lakers and Celtics all over again. Um, you just don't get that with the Denver Nuggets. You get you get a historic wow. This has never happened before thing. But there's really no narrative there. There's really no storyline other than what's developing now. And if there's anything we've seen about sentiment, it's that history always weighs in heavily on on narratives. So, I think narrative wise, TRP wise, viewership wise, all of that, 
the NBA would benefit from Lakers in the finals always, even more so when there's when there's LeBron James on the Lakers. I think the neutrals would would much rather enjoy a strong narrative and a good storyline of of this washed king revenge season, whatever that mm-hmm. hashtag is. And uh, he got snubbed for MVP voting. All of that versus you know either a team that he kind of put on the map along with D Wade, or a team that the Lakers have had a storied rivalry with for for decades now. So that that's what a neutral would really want to see because it's not just the game. It's then the game gets over, then you have two days of, of free time. Then you you turn into all of those news articles, all those blog pieces that are written about. Let's take a look back at other such um, Lakers Celtics matches from the past that were just as exciting. Let's take a look back at what Miami LeBron did versus what Lakers LeBron's doing today. All of these are what keep keep the interest and engagement levels at an all time high. So I think Lakers need to go to the finals. Even as a neutral, I'd say, like if I was running the league, I'd want Lakers and LeBron in the finals. I'd hope for that. That gives that takes care of the commerce part of it. And then there are narratives that you can spin, and that's true for any player that's been around in the league for that long. Any superstar, you bring Durant to the final, you'll have a bunch of stories. So, so given the the options, I'd say the league would want LeBron in the finals, and any neutral would want to see Lakers face off against one of these teams from the East. Totally, but who's your pick, Celtics or Miami? I'm actually going to stick to Miami. I think uh, I think over the distance they have the smarter. It's what I've been saying all along. It's New York mm-hmm. top down from Pat Riley down to now uh, now excellent Eric Spoelstra, and and some great players. And I, I just think uh, the leadership of Dragic and Jimmy Butler kind of puts them over the line. I don't think Boston have anyone quite at that level of play with that level of leadership. Both. I don't think Boston have that. I could be wrong. It's going to be a very tight series, but I'm still going to. Hold my ground and say Miami have the edge. All right, we'll find out. Uh, we'll find that out later tonight as the Boston Celtics take on Miami Heat, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, just before we wrap up today's episode, your play of the day. Um, I think uh, there's that clutch three that Jamal Murray just launched it from. I don't know where in the locker room that <laughs> it just about shut the very game Steph down. Very Curry like, right? Exactly, and there was a very slender lead that the Nuggets had. And the Lakers three would have tied the game. Kyle Kuzma was miles open. There was no one anywhere close to him at the three-point arc, and he was in two minds five times before he shot that ball. He stepped in once, thinking he wants to dribble. Then he realized nobody's around him. He stepped back again, made sure he was behind the three-point line. Took all the time in the world, and by then a defender was upon him. It was still not really a contested shot. The defender was somewhere around him. He knew the defender was coming, but it wasn't a hand-in-the-face contested shot. He finally decides, okay, I better shoot this before someone kills me. Puts that shot up, bricks it, and if you remember, I said that's the game right there. That's it. The Lakers are done uh, because I didn't think they they were going to get another opportunity quite like that. But then Jamal Murray just just hammered that last nail into the coffin at the other end. He pulled up from like I don't know 50 out from the from the basket, nothing but net swish. Though it wasn't a buzzer beater, that was a dagger to the Lakers' hearts. So that was my play of the day. Absolutely, and that that brings the league or the series to a very precarious position, right? Lakers need to win the next one to have a serious advantage, or else it's going to be all level and then everything to play for after that. Uh, if you had to pick one player of the day, who would that be? Again, I think it's Jamal Murray in this game. As good as the Joker was, and as good as uh, the tone was that he set, if Jamal Murray doesn't show up, this is another Lakers win. Easy. I think his points in clutch situations, his defense was great. And he 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 was their chief playmaker tonight. He kind of took over that from Jokic, who was being double teamed all day. And 
Jamal Murray is now going to give them problems. And and this makes the Denver such a deadly team. Uh, even without Jeremy Grant scoring because that just adds a whole new dimension. But but to have two players like Jamal and and Jokic, both of whom can create and play make and and dish out dimes, that really makes this team all the more dangerous. Because both of these guys, if you don't double team, they pop off and they get their points. If you, if you double team, the other guy is open to to make plays and and pop off and get their points. In their own way, they have their own superstar duo to compete with the big two and the Lakers. Not quite at the same level, but uh, on any night they can get away with the W. Absolutely. I think that I think you summarized it well. I think whenever Denver play uh, the Lakers, I think it's always going to be either of the four people getting a player of the day. It's either going to be AD or LeBron or it's going to be Jamal or Jokic depending on whoever wins. But uh, this was always fun. Uh, we'll catch up tomorrow. The Celtics take on the Heat uh, later tonight. That's going to be super, super close. I hope the Celtics level the series. Gives us a lot to talk about. Gives us more games and what more can one ask for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Looking forward to it. See you, man. Bye.